Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Travis Reed, on the Athlete's Journey. I finally got my, my big brother on here, a person I've admired for, for many, many years of my basketball career, who taught me so much all the way back from high school to college. And like I said, he's the only person that I was, uh, you know, I was with in high school and in college. We both went to the same high school and, and, and went to the same college. Uh, yep. Like I said, he's just... Like a person, I, like I said, I've always uh, looked up to. And uh, I always felt when I was in high school, when I played against him and Tremaine, folks, um, wasn't nobody better than them. <laughs> Anybody I went against. I went against NBA dudes, Elton Brand, a bunch of guys. But I was like, ain't nobody better than Chris and Tremaine. So. <laughs> Thank so. you, Travis. Thank you. That's, that's, that's mighty kind of you. But we, we, we know different. You know, the, the McDonald's All-American selection that year said differently. So. Right, right, right. I always felt like you and Trey should have win. I always felt like that. Uh, but I just want to introduce my big brother, you know, Chris Johnson. Uh, like I said, just a wonderful, wonderful person. And just like I said, I'm just happy and honored for him to be on my show. Travis, uh, I got the check for you in the mail, man. Those, those, all those nice things you had to say, man. Golly, but man, I appreciate you, man. Uh, finally got on your show. Keep up the great work, man. I've been watching, keeping my eye on what you've been doing, and uh, very, uh, very good work, my brother. A wide variety of guests, stories, and uh, things surrounding the athlete, and I love it, man. Keep it up. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, like I said, I I took my cue a little bit off yourself, just like doing these five Ks. Chris don't know that I, I started doing five Ks as I saw him do a five K. <laughs> I was yeah. like, "Oh, Chris doing NASA? Okay, I'm gonna, let me try this. Let me try this." Oh, okay. that's funny. How did you How did you end up doing your five K? Oh, pretty much. Uh, the last one I just did was on Thanksgiving Day. I told okay. myself I'm gonna work out good so I can eat whatever I want. When I that's, get smart. that's smart. That's you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and so, uh, and it, the funny thing is, I wasn't the only person thinking like that. Everybody was out there like, hey, I got the turkey and the in the ham in the oven right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we gonna just do this, do this 5K and get back home and cook. Yeah. So, uh, I I feel like like I said, it's my. Did you? Six, you keep five, your yeah. time. You keep your time. Do you keep yeah. your times of your five? What's your time? Have you started? Have you seen a steady improvement, or mm -hmm. is it kind mm -hmm. of the similar times, or are they worse? No, they are. They're better. Like pretty much what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, like I lost since the last five k, which was two thousand nineteen. Mm -hmm. uh, before pre COVID, uh, I went down about seven minutes. Okay. Wow, that's big time, man. Good yeah. job. Yeah, but I lost about you know about twenty pounds. So. Yeah, they're yeah they're tough to run, man. They're tough to run. I could I walk run it. Uh, I couldn't at the time. I couldn't run the whole thing. I think that that might have been why I got my little hip injury now. But uh, I pushed myself a little bit. But uh, you know, I did it for a great cause. It was for a military cause, and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had to do it. 
No, no. Look, like I said, I give. I, I respect it. And like I said, I respect people who do it. They have those professional people that finish the 5K in like 17 minutes. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, but they have, uh, you know, for me, you know, I just, like I said, I just, uh, I jogged. You know, I didn't know. As you should. Yeah. As you should. Just finish. Just finish. Yeah, yeah. Just show up and be there and start and then finish. See that finish line. <laughs> Run through that dang on finish line the right way, man. There's no better feeling. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly how I felt. Um, I was, you know, I like I said, whenever I do it and I get a medal, I'm actually, by the time I finish, ah, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank yep. you. Thank you. You know, yeah. uh, yep. so I, but I'd be sore for about two days after. <laughs> That's the worst part. I yeah. Mean. Yeah. I'd be, oh, my, my butt, my back. Oh, yeah. running it'll, like it'll concrete. It'd be about another year before I run it, uh, ran another one. After I run one, I, I take off about a year. I'm like, I'm not doing this stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I spread mine out about, you know, form like one in the, one in the summer. Yeah. Uh, and then one in the winter. And that's, that's pretty much, yeah. One in the that's summer, one in the winter. So that's good stuff, Chad. All right. Well, let's just get right into it, Chris. Uh, how did your basketball journey start? Wow. That's a, uh, a great question. I guess my journey started when I was golly nine ten years old mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, my dad and had signed me up for this basketball league at a park uh, called Barrington Park which is uh on the west side uh over off of like Barrington and Wilshire and all that uh so he signed me up and um I ended up playing on a Pretty cool team. We had a, a, a tall six foot uh, female as our center. I played the power forward and, uh, you know, you know, it was the competition wasn't the greatest, but uh, it was my kind of first foray into competitive uh, uh, basketball. The funny story, uh, my coach, a guy by the name of Beatty, Coach Beatty, his, his grandson is actually DeAnthony Melton that plays for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. So, uh, you know, I was getting some really good coaching and tutelage um, at an early age. Beatty was from the inner city, uh, kind of knew my uncles, grew up around Dorsey and Dinker, Dinker Park. Uh, you know, that that's a big, uh, big baseball hotbed back in the days because he coached me in, in basketball and baseball at Barrington. And uh, but, but basket, that's that's really where the journey started. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't really love the game, Travis. I'll be completely honest uh, for a lot of people that you know, may not know who I am or know my story. My dad played the NBA. So I was kind of surrounded and then, you know, in, indoctrinated into basketball from the womb. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, you know, growing up in the game, you sort of have a different type of disposition than someone that doesn't grow up in the game. Um, you, you take it for granted. Mm -hmm. So you take, you take certain basketball experiences and interactions and things for granted because they happen so frequently and so often that you become immune to like things like, you know, hanging out in the locker room with Dr. J or, you know, meeting Michael Jordan or hanging out with Kareem in Australia or things like that just become like, yeah, that's, that was kind of like, you know, what I was doing, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just, you know, I was just over there, you know? So, so, so all that to be said at an early age, I was kind of like, you know, I'm not really tripping on basketball. Cause I was heavy set. I was heavy set. I was, uh, I wasn't tall per se, but I was, you know, I was decent size, but I was stocky and um, I had a build more suited to play uh, football or baseball. So, you know, the running part of it too sucked, as you know, Travis, getting, <laughs> having to get up and down the freaking court all the time. I mean, that just, 
that part of it just I, that was a big thing for me like i didn't <laughs> want to play basketball because of the running because of the sprinting <laughs> travis travis it would hurt the your chest you would be burning and everybody be better than you and faster than you you just be looking like i can't even make it up. i can't make it up the court but that was my experience. I don't know if you had that experience at any point, Traff, but it's an experience that sort of leaves a foul taste in your mouth about a game. So mm-hmm. I played a lot of the reason I played was just, you know, kind of to do something to play. I mm-hmm. couldn't, but I couldn't wait for baseball and football season. But yes, Barrington Park, that's where my journey began. So uh, we just talked about it. So you were what you were interested in playing baseball and football. Those are the main two I, sports that you wanted to play. Yeah, I did play baseball and football. Um, I played, well, I started off with flag football uh, back in the day. I was too heavy for Pop Warner because uh, they had the weight limit. So I think I was, I was well over 200 pounds. So I was playing flag football, you know, mm-hmm. on the defensive line. I was just the uh, defensive tackle, you know, just sacks galore, you know, just ridiculousness at the defensive tackle position. Uh, and then I played baseball where I played all positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, not all positions. Let me not just try to say I played everything. I, I didn't play second base. I didn't play shortstop and I didn't play. And that's it. That's those are the only positions I didn't play on the field in mm-hmm. baseball. So I played pretty much everything else, catcher, pitcher, first base, third base, all that. Um, and I love baseball. I had a, I had a, a great opportunity competing in a little league over in Encino called Encino Little League. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, in my league at that time, it was a couple of MB, um, uh, guys that ended up playing in the major leagues. A pitcher by the name of Russ Ortiz, he pitched for the Giants and the Braves and all type of teams. And a hitter by the name of Brad Fulmer, who played for the Expos and the Angels. Um, so these guys were in my league, but I led the league in homers, RBIs, and I was like fourth in batting. And uh, I was sick in baseball. And so I was, I was really, just really, I was really kind of like, I'm going to be a baseball guy. That was kind of my, my focus. Mm-hmm. I understand that. So obviously growing up in the, in the, you know, LA, around the LA area, uh, you was exposed to that AAU circuit, mainly Victoria, Victoria Park. And I tell anybody that Victoria Park had anybody who was anybody back then played at Victoria Park in that Slammer Jam D with Izzy. Oh yeah, uh, you know AZ Washington. I remember, you know, when I was playing, I was with my dad's boys and girls club team. We played Shea. We was eleven. We were like, they were like national number one in the nation. I'm like, what do you mean the number one in the nation? They were like number one in the United States. But yeah, yeah. right. You know, and they came yeah. and smacked us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like fifty points. Shea yeah. got a dunk when he was eleven. Yeah, we were like that's Shea Cotton. Okay. Okay, Sounds that was right. <laughs> so when you were, you know, growing up in the, you know, kind of that AU circuit, playing with the, the you know, Slammer Jam team, um, can you can you explain like your experiences in that league? Well, um, so just to give you the background on the AAU, um, I was kind of an outsider to the AAU circuit. So mm-hmm. most of those guys had been had grown up together, had played together, you know, since they was 11, 12, like you just said. When I was 11 and 12, I was like doing my own thing at Barrington and working out with my dad. So he kind of LeVar balled it for me a little bit in a sense to where I always say he's the original LeVar ball because we had a whole workout thing set up at our house. And, you know, because he was trying to make a comeback to the NBA. And so we had a leaper. We had a leaper. We had a weight thing. We had a hoop. We had a exercise bike. We had medicine balls. We had all type of stuff that we were doing in a hill that we would run. So I was on the workout and all this type of stuff during that era of when most of the, a lot of the guys, my contemporaries, 
were uh, competing against each other as you like, kind of like you and Shay, but like, you know, Toby and Cameron Murray or, you know, Jelani uh, Gardner and, you know, whoever else, Ricky Price, you know, they were going at it since they were young and they were at Victoria Park kind of. So I came in late. I came in, you know, 14, 15 years old. Um, my first uh, actual AAU team was a team called uh, Orange County PTI with uh Bob Gottlieb was the head coach. I remember. I remember that. I remember this. So it was myself, Miles Simon, J.R. Henderson, Doug Gottlieb running the point. We had we'd, uh, Bob, a fly-in dude, like Ronnie Henderson, who played at LSU. And we had Kyle Milling, big Kyle Milling, a white guy, put white kid played at uh, Oregon. And we had all type of dudes, just like beastie dudes. Uh, he coached. He ran a, a sort of a college system. So we were expected to remember out of bounds, out of bounds plays after timeouts coming out of halves. We, we had to know all type of stuff on the AAU, on the AAU level. And, uh, and then the competitive nature of it. So we, we played at Victoria Park and we would go around. I would meet them, meet up with these guys or, or practice at Orange County. Uh, we go to the Anaheim Hilton and, and, and work out with Marvin Marinovich and them and, and be on that for a little bit because Miles lived out there. So it was just a whole just circuit. Um, of working out uh, all over the Southern California area and playing uh, with Orange County PTI. That's kind of what got me indoctrinated into um, the AAU world. By the time I was uh, playing in the Slam and Jam heavy and competing, I was playing for uh, my dad and Ed Waters, now the coach at Crenshaw. Mm -hmm. They made a team called Triple Threat, uh, LA Triple Threat. So we competed in the Slam and Jam with Triple Threat. Um, and Triple Threat was kind of a team that they had formed, which they allowed me to sort of play my full game, which included, you know, handling the ball, pushing it, you know, dimes, you know, the whole nine. So I was able to kind of, you know, play my own game in that, in that, um, under those circumstances with that mm -hmm. AU team. Mm -hmm. And so I, I flourished in the Slam and Jam League. So I was doing well, you know, whoever we played, but it was, it was still like, you know, still like one of the most unbelievable scenes that you walk into as a youngster when you walk in there and dudes are in those sick jerseys and those sick shorts with the LA gear, the catapults. <laughs> they had the sick catapults and dudes, some dudes was taped back then. I think they was taping. I was like, hey, now tape. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, it was a real league. You see somebody taped, you're like, wait a minute where y'all get tape i'm looking for the trainer <laughs> i want that high take too i want that high take too right, right that looks right. sweet i know my, my, my favorite i think i think i think my lasting my first real just unbelievable memory of slam and jam was like because i i had thought i i you know i thought i was familiar with everybody all over all the players i thought i knew everybody back when i was like 14 or 15 but i walk in the gym and they got and it was i'll never forget it, the team they had the blue and the yellow uh it was uh charles's team and them charles ovannon vonnie jones jock vaughn but sonny benjamin ori benjamin uh Corey's brother he, I walk in the gym and I, he's like catching a lob or something. I'm just like, and it was a dude I, I had not, I did not know who he was. I was just like, who, what the hell? Like, God, it was such a sick lob that he caught. I was just like, dang, they got a, I know them dudes and they got a dude that I don't know doing that. Like, then you start getting kind of nervous. Like, I hope we don't play them next game because somebody's going to get, you know, we cared, we cared about getting dunked on track. No, of course, of course. It, it wasn't, we wasn't smiling and laughing and putting it on our page just so we can get views. No, we was trying to hide that, suppress the footage. Hey, nobody, do not bring that up. Hey, you don't even talk about me getting dunked on either, dude, because we got a problem. Don't yeah. even talk about me getting dunked on. So look, 
I was scared. I was scared about getting dunked on. Oh yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. I, well, I told you when we was when I was eleven, I saw Shay dunk. I was like, is everybody dunking? Dude, oh Shay's my god, that's dude. what I said. I was Shay. like, dude, dude, I'm I'm nervous because you know we a boys and girls club team at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, my first three games at the Victoria Park, we played Shay's team, lost by fifty. We played ARC yeah. with Jason and Jaron Collins, lost by like thirty. Damn. And then we played K-Swiss with Baron, lost yeah. by like 15, 20. Yeah. You see, <laughs> so. you see, the funny thing is you get to, you, you get to like growing up in your own little bubble back then, you know, you could be, have moments where you just felt like you were the most dominant dude in the state. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then you, then you go to Victoria Park and it's like, dang, who are, that's what I mean. It's like, dang, who are all these dudes? <laughs> like, man, and it's typically it's the top 25 dudes in the state is up in the building, yep, bro. Yep, and so yep, that's yep. why it was so, you you felt that way because it's like you're looking at the cream of the crop mm-hmm, and the, mm-hmm. the elite. So that's why you're just so like gassed, like, oh my God, because you're look, watching the elite of the elite compete. No, I agree. Like, I remember we played Jason and Jaron, and then the next week they was on the cover of uh, Cal High Magazine. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was like, that was our Sports Illustrated, you know? Like, that yeah. was our thing right there. Yeah, Cal you High was, was the stuff. We, yeah, we, we, we lived and died with Cal High. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And so, uh, I was going to, you know, um, my next question for you is, like, obviously your dad is a legend at Crenshaw, right? But you start off your first two years at Montclair Prep, you know. Can you explain, like, why didn't you go to Crenshaw from the start? So I started in Montclair Prep actually in the seventh grade. So I went went to Montclair in the seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Then uh, my dad went to play in Italy in the eighth grade. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. so we went over there. And then I came back and and went to Montclair Prep in the ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, my dad, actually, when we came back from the eighth grade, I repeated the eighth grade at Emerson on the whole back move. And then started my uh, restarted in Montclair Prep. So I had a history of Montclair Prep. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some roots there. It was seventh grade, you know. So I knew people. I knew everybody was still there. So I had a comf- level of comfort there. Um, my coach uh, was a guy named Bob Webb, who played with my dad at UCLA, who I know very well throughout my childhood. So I, you know, it was it was a, it was a level of comfort. He he was like Coach Webb was the first guy to really call me KJ all the time, and so. I kind of, he's KJ, man, what you going to do? You want to come to Montclair, man? KJ, I'll let you go in Montclair, man. Because we were looking at different schools and things and trying to figure out, you know, which route to take. Because mm-hmm. back then it mattered as far as competitiveness uh, and your level. Like now, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't really matter anymore. It's a trip. You know, they'll give you a chance. But back then they wouldn't even look at you. Right, uh, right, you right. played a certain level. So the coaches now have evolved or whatever. But back then, so it was kind of, we had this, sort of this dilemma uh, of whether, you know, what school we're we going to go to, what we're we going to do. Crenshaw has always been on the table. I'm not, I think Crenshaw, I don't think it was ninth grade. Yeah, it was ninth grade, but I think it went ninth. I'm, I'm, I wonder if it went ninth grade. Yuri freshman year was the first year it went ninth grade. I just don't remember having ninth graders during my junior year, mm-hmm. but maybe, but maybe they did. But anyway, at the time of the decision to go, I, I was just like, you know, I just, I'm going to be comfortable with Montclair prep. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Montclair Prep, uh, which is was a tiny prep school uh, in Van Nuys, California, but had a tremendous athletic kind of history and program and emphasis. And the class sizes were small. Uh, Jason and Jaron actually started out in Montclair Prep mm-hmm. in, the, mm-hmm. in the seventh grade, mm-hmm. uh, the Collins twins. So they were there. I was a freshman. They were there in the seventh grade. We had some we had a bunch of like just, you know, 
Hoopers. Keyshawn Johnson was was going to check in at one point. He came to visit the campus. Number one ended up being the double draft pick. You know, you, you know, Keyshawn, Keyshawn. Mm-hmm. So Mark Claire Prep was live. Okay. Was Valley okay. School, uh, co-ed, live. You know, it was just cracking. It was cracking on all levels. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to be the man uh, to, to sort of, you know, play a lot, uh, get my reps up. Coming from Italy, I spent my eighth grade year in Italy kind of working on my game, trying to lose weight, trying to get better, practicing with my dad's first team, playing against a junior team, doing all those type of things to try to get myself uh, right for American basketball. And then, so the so coming out of that, uh, Montclair Prep was the first thing. Average a double-double my freshman year, all leagues, second year, you know, Division Five player of the year, 24 and 10. So I was just, had a level of confidence that I may not have developed if I had came to Crenshaw as a freshman. Ah, okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. Because, you know, Crenshaw's, it's like, you got to be ready for that stuff over at Crenshaw. So going in there as a freshman, it may have felt a little different. It may, you know, you never knew what might have happened. Because even as a junior, you know, nothing was ever guaranteed. You know, I had to earn everything I got at Crenshaw. So, so you know, I think back now, it's like, imagine if I wasn't prepared for that type of thing, haven't competed at high levels and, you know, been in games and actually, you know, put in work, you know, what if I didn't have that, you know, experience? I don't know. No, I got you. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, having all these, you know, great experiences at, you know, Crenshaw, I only can imagine so many, you know, like player of the year, state player of the year, city player of the year. What was your most memorable moment at, at high in high school, you know? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, most memorable moment, man. Probably, gosh. <sighs> well, there's two. One includes me. Another includes my team. But so, um, my you know, my junior year, I guess the shot against Modern Day uh, at the Sports Arena to mm-hmm. win the to win the Southern California Regional Championship mm-hmm. and then go mm-hmm. to state. That's probably one of my biggest shots I ever hit in my career except mm-hmm. for a shot over in Qatar that I hit we won a cup and we got a bonus of about 25,000 but uh this shot was big because you know it just it meant so much you know people there were doubters naysayers about Crenshaw and it was Crenshaw modern day which back then was the ultimate just you know black school versus the white school <laughs> and, and that and that mattered back then like mm-hmm. nowadays you know nobody's into that but yeah, yeah, back yeah. back then that that shit it meant mattered. everything it meant everything it, it meant everything and it was a lot of pride associated with that game that matchup and it, like you know it was huge it was mm-hmm. huge so when you know I, I hit a finger roll with uh as time expired from about 10 12 feet out just, you know, one of the most unorthodox shot attempts you'd ever see at, <laughs> at the time. Hey, at the time, but they hitting them now. Right, right, Look right, at the right. league now, they taking stuff from finger rolling for 12 feet. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I've been on that. Bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I, I was you. on that in high school, dog, for, ga- for game to go to the state, all right? Yeah, No, yeah. so that, so it was that, that was memorable. I mean, winning the city championship against Dorsey, I mean, that was, that was a great time. <clears throat> There was a game against Washington that we played that was, you know, really live over there. But uh, Leon broke the backboard against Faith Baptist. Remember that? Uh, that's that's why I say that 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 was memorable because I'll never forget that. No, no. Yeah. He, when he missed that dunk, broke the backboard, and then the, the rim cut off his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was like yeah. it, it was like a whole piece of his shoulder cut off, and we. Yeah. Could, and he, we, he moved his hit arm and you could see everything moving in there. I was like, ah! <laughs> I, I remember that. Yeah, no, no, I, man. 
I'm like I said, I told you, man, but I tell anybody this. I thought that Crenshaw team, like your senior year, my freshman year, was the greatest California team yeah. in history. I don't care. I was like, man. They've been saying like, it. Yeah, so no. They've been debating it. And so, so what they've done is they've ran some simulations, computer simulations mm -hmm. with, you know, factoring in, you know, whatever factors of everybody's strength, you know, however they do it. And uh, we turned out to be the best team ever in California. Just oh, I believe it. I, yeah. I, I've monster. seen, yeah, like you, you the person that I can rival me in like history of ball because you know ball like I do. Like I've been watching City Ball since I've been a kid. You yeah. know, I was there when Manuel beat Crenshaw when they had Kevin Ali at the sports arena mm -hmm. back in whatever it was, 90 something or 89, whatever it was. Yeah. So like, so I know I like I've seen ball. Yeah. So like that team was sick. Well, it was deep. It, it was it was much more than just the starting five. So we, you, when you look at take the starting five out of it and then you look at everybody else that was on that team. Mm -hmm. And so then, so then let's look at that, look at those names and then look, then throw our names in there in the starting five also. And then tell me what you get. You get like 12 dudes, 13 dudes that play college basketball, something ridiculous. Yeah. No, no. So, that, so that team. It, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you just got a lot of dudes that was stupid, <laughs> dog. I don't know. I, we had size. We walking around, everybody seemed like I was one of the shortest dudes on the team. See, like everybody was six five. Hey, everybody's six five and six six and just tall. It was so nice, dog. It was no, no, nice. no, for sure. For sure. I love, like I said, it was it was like I said, the, one of the greatest memories. I was like, man, we were flying around, going to Florida, South Carolina. Yeah, man, we you know. Out. Yeah, we was. I was like, man, we a high hey, school team or the year, the year before we went to Alaska. So the year before you got there, we went to Alaska for a tournament. Uh, we ended up losing to Trajan Langdon's team. The refs cheated us, but we had a great time. I mean, we we mm -hmm. went to, we so we went to a school. <laughs> we went to an actual high school and went and spoke. It was like a panel, and they <laughs> we, they had us in the auditorium, dog. So we went to the school, and it was like just they was going crazy. The chicks was going bananas, bro. <laughs> And so it was, needless to say, it was an interesting trip in Alaska. Mm -hmm. No, I believe it, man. Like I said, Crenshaw, different experience than any other high school scene I ever was on, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, it was cracking. So, yeah, for sure. So your city player of the year, state player of the year, in my opinion, should have been a McDonald's All-American. But, it, you know, I thought you and Trey both should have been McDonald's All-Americans, but that's another story. Um, you, you signed with UCLA. Were there a lot of schools? Did you already know that you was going to UCLA? Were there a lot of schools that you were interested in? So uh, during the recruiting process, I, I, I really wanted to, you know, just build relationships and talk to these coaches. Mm -hmm. um, it was at a time where I, I you know, I was, you know, missed, I studied basketball, so I knew everything about it. And, you know, so I knew all these coaches and who they were, and I read media guides and I looked them up. And so I just want to talk to them about stuff and, so I had a, a really fun recruiting time. Um, the coaches that I that I took seriously, as far as you know, the, in their recruitment of me, mm -hmm. Kelvin, Kelvin Sampson at Washington State University, he wanted he he saw the vision of my game. 
uh, as far as being a, he, he always was like, man, a lot of people don't understand. You can put the ball on the floor and pass your vision. He was always Mr. I can score, but I have passing and vision. And he wanted me to, you know, just kind of play harder on the defensive end. He felt like he can get that out of me. So I was thinking about going and see Kelvin Sampson out at Washington state. Mm-hmm. Rick, Rick Majerus over at Utah was another guy that I really loved. He, he kind of said what his thing was. I reminded him of uh, uh, a little bit of Brandon Jesse, who I guess he, he was watching Brandon Jesse played football, basketball at Edison. He was a big monster uh, back in the day, but he ended mm-hmm. up playing there, but he said he, he reminded him, but I'm more skilled, this and that. He loved my game. So I was really, you know, kind of looking at Utah, like, okay. Then Arizona state with uh, Bill Frieder, uh, the coach, you know, coach Michigan, when they won a national championship, Bill Frieder and uh, coach McCorn, George McCorn, rest in peace. Uh, George McCorn, was recruited me and he had a history in LA area. He had coached at Verbum Day back in the day. I think he coached Raymond Lewis and them mm-hmm. uh, at Verbum Day, but now he was an assistant coach over at Arizona State. And I, you know, that guy could just, he can talk like you wouldn't believe. I love that guy. Uh, and so I was leaning, I was looking at Arizona State, you know, I was like, yeah, because they was talking about stuff, you know, playing and time. And, and, and obviously UCLA was in the mix. So UCLA's there with, with, with Romar, Coach Romar's recruiting me heavy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I would known Romar since I've been about 11, 12 years old because him and my dad played together. So it was just like so that whole recruiting. Pro- and then my but my biggest thing I, I that I hooked up because I, I wanted to go there was duke so i uh my dad so I, every summer i go to atlanta to visit my mom so once that summer my sophomore to my junior year i'm like dad i'm trying to get up to duke you know see what's up with coach k and them they had just won a championship mm-hmm. i just wanted to be on campus so got we hooked it up i flew up there um hooked it up at duke flew up there took an unofficial visit um my man kenny blakeney who's now the head coach at howard picks me up from the picks me up from the airport takes me straight to cameron indoor uh walk in grant hill tommy amaker johnny dawkins they're there i'm talking to them chilling so much love shoot Mm -hmm. around shoot around for about 45 minutes at cameron indoor then i go meet with coach k coach k's like yo chris i love your game flattered you want to rock with us he's like i'm recruiting like three dudes at your position is a dude named Michael Maddox. And I think I heard it. I remember him. I remember Michael yeah, Maddox. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, Mike Maddox. So he, he literally, he was in love with Michael Maddox. I'm like, all right, man, whatever. He's like, <laughs> so they offered me to a walk on. They say I can walk on and, and, you know, and, you know, and see what happens. And, you know, by your second year, you talk about a scholarship, blah, blah, blah. So he gave me that option. So I had, I had options. Um, Cornell was kind of my sixth, which was something I kind of just kept in, in my back pocket. I always wanted to do Ivy. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm, had to, mm-hmm. I had the grades for the Ivy league and, and it was a coach over there that I liked a lot that saw the vision of my game. He, he said, I would kill in that league and average a dub as a freshman. And he was just on one with me. I was like, yeah, I know I coach. He's like, yeah, you get a Cornell degree. He was like, yeah, you get a Cornell degree. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Oh, no, yeah, no. that's so what that's, you mean. Yeah, that's cool. So, so those were kind of those were kind of my my options, Travis, and the the schools that I was kind of the, the most serious about. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the opportunity to play at UCLA, a school, a campus that I had practically grown up at, uh, a program that I was extremely familiar with, had been familiar with since basically I was born with my dad having won the last, a championship there. And I had aunts that graduated from there as well. 
that people don't even know about. So many people in my family are recently have a cousin just graduated. He's like 23 right now. Uh, he's going to be in graduate school at UCLA. So it's, it's a, we're a UCLA family. Uh, and so at the end of the day, I really couldn't see myself, you know, doing any of those other moves. Now, I remember, like I said, at Crenshaw, and Crenshaw had, remember the gym, the pickup games before the season started, and Lou Dolson would be there, you know, Rick Majerus. I'm just like, dude, these are the coaches I seen on TV at yeah. the pickup. Yeah, that was you know, nice. And, you know, I was like, I ain't never seen nothing like that, man. I was like, man, this is crazy. Yo, that was nice, man. That was nice. It was flattering. It's credit to Coach West. Uh, the respect that coaches have for Coach West. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times back then, you didn't even have to know who Coach West had. You just needed to know you needed to be there because <laughs> he probably go have some, some dogs. <laughs> so it was one of those. No, it was one of those things last mm -hmm. year. I mean, it was one of those things back then uh, in the '90s at Crenshaw. Uh, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. I think you know the 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 impact of the program really really has never really been explained or fully really talked about just on how big time it was to play at the Shaw, just how much that it meant to be a part of the Crenshaw program. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you on that. All right. So you, you have all this. So, you know, you go to UCLA, what's the biggest like difference between college and high school? Uh, I had some dudes playing in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> they're just NBA dude. I get, I get it. I get it. No, that's the biggest difference. I had some dudes playing in front of me. In high school, I didn't. In college, I did. High school was tougher than college, in my opinion, as far as practices. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. far as practices, it was tougher. Now, as far as the games, now college was on a whole nother level. You know, it was uh the speed, I'd say. I don't think I it was definitely not that much faster. It was just everybody's so strong. Yeah. So you get yeah. you get tired a little quicker out mm -hmm. there because mm -hmm. they take it out of you because because it's five guys out there that have a level of strength where in high school you had one two guys that were strong and three guys probably just booty right no strength <laughs> no but seriously no strength no, no, no. yeah yeah, yeah. Just throw them around like pick them up excuse me move you know like that in college you're not doing that to nobody well yeah, i was true. i was i was still housing dudes but it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, it was dudes that were strong back, bro. It was mm -hmm. like, dang, you strong, man. Like, I ain't messing with you no more, man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you was that strong, little man. Shit. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I was doing in college. Talking to hey, I didn't know you was that strong, dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, I remember, like, the only person I was for that was, if 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 it was all, even on your level in strength in high school, it was probably big Day Ron Harris. Yeah, so that's what I, yeah, Day Ron, no question. Yeah, but other than that, it was nobody. But Jay Ron's a big old monster, dog. Yeah, yeah, Ron was six five. He a cop now or something. He's security or something. But he, <laughs> hey, I got him on Facebook. When he be he posts his Facebook, he be having his heaters on him, man. All his equipment. Hey, big buff, been lifting and working out every day. I'm like, God, y'all have no idea about this dude. No, I mean, I remember him from even like. Eighth grade, he was talking about this big this day Ron Harris, him and Chris Johnson, man, they go day at it. Ron, day Ron. Ron. <laughs> well, Dayron is is the only guy I can say that he got best of me, and I took the L on the same day. I mean, it was I I still had twenty and ten, but it was it didn't really matter because just the way that people felt like after we played, I think it was my junior year, it was the first game. I think we were playing in the Washington Christmas tournament. They ended up beating us in the championship game or the third place game or something. But, uh, you know, he had a monster game, just kept eating, eating on the glass. Everybody was talking stuff about me. 
uh, you know, oh, he's he can't get with Dayron. So I, <laughs> you know, I, I I was just on a mission to kind of the next because we had to play him two more times. So the two more next times we played him in league, it was like it was on, and we won yeah. both matchups. I remember, like I said, senior year. I remember, I was like Chris about to start a ride in this thing. You know, Dayron pushed you, elbowed him in the head. <laughs> I was like, I seen everybody in the crowd stand up. I was like, oh. <laughs> hey, hey, the one thing, the one thing I can say I, that about me back then it was that what people have to understand, uh, uh, like of our era, and the people that care that know me and that will watch this show that know who we are. Back then, I had been playing against my dad one on one a lot, like for like five, six straight years, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so he never let me win. And anybody that seen my dad at the time, he was about six, seven, about two fifty big strong Duncan still moving so it was like I was competing against him I was basically his like test dummy for, uh, his workout partner for his comeback to the league no seriously so that's kind of how it was so when I went out into the real world if you want to call it and played against you know like the day runs and stuff I, the fear factor just wasn't there for some reason because I had been my dad elbowed me in the mouth throwing weights and shit at me throwing dumbbells at me when getting fights and all type of stuff I'm falling against the pole I mean it's all kind of stuff going on so when I get to high school in Crenshaw I'm looking around I'm not really you know I'm not really tripping dog no yeah I, saw, <laughs> I, hate I, saw, I get it you know what I'm saying that's how I felt after y'all, like, I was like, they ain't better yeah. Chris and Tremaine. I should go against them every day in practice. <laughs> and Chris would go on my head. He was a senior. I was a freshman. So, yeah. No, so at UCLA, obviously, you had some people ahead of you. And then you make this transformation with your body, which is... That's uh, a good point. Yeah, you know, big thing, you know, from uh, freshman to sophomore year and obviously and beyond. Um, explain to, like, everybody, like, how did you make that transformation? Because in college, that's really hard to do. Yeah, I came into college 6'5", about 270 uh, as a center. You can look it up. I was a damn center at 6'5", 270 at UCLA um, and had injuries my freshman year. So my mm -hmm. senior year, Crenshaw, I tore my knee. My freshman year, I, I did a bunch of stuff, uh, stress fracture, all type of stuff. And it was because I allowed Zion Williamson mm -hmm. carrying, carrying too much weight on the trying to play a certain type of game where you're jumping and rebounding and you know jump hooking and trying to close out on dudes at that weight and the speed that it took it was just a little bit too much mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. so uh it was funny uh you know we won the championship i didn't play much um but i still was a part of the process the journey and enjoyed all the spoils uh of the victor that like championship celebration run, I picked up probably about another 15 to 20 pounds. You know, we, hey, we having fun. We eating, we at the White House, we at the premiere of Bad Boys. Hey, we, we out here. So we out here chilling. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm drink, I'm drink, I'm 18, 19, I'm drinking everywhere. I'm just, you know, so I pick up a cool 20. Cool. <laughs> now I'm like, I'm like 280. So I'm like 280 is April. My roommate, Toby Bailey, I'll never forget it. Cause I think, you know, people were noticing I was gaining weight, having a little too much fun. Mm -hmm. so, so my roommate, my roommate, Toby Bailey, he kind of. Uh, it froze for a minute, but keep going, keep going. He was like, hold on. He was like, yo man, I don't know about, is it recording? Yeah, that was recording. It's recording. It's he was like, he was like, yo man, I don't know about you. 
but I'm trying to work on my game this summer. I'm trying to get in shape. <laughs> and so he, he said that, and I kind of looked at him like, what does he think I am? Right, no, this right. is so this is the summer now, and this is leading up to the story. It's Travis okay. of, of me losing weight. Okay. So Toby, so Toby says that sort of as a dig, like you know, I'm like, oh, okay, you're on that. So he never knew that that hurt my feelings, but it did, but it also inspired me. It motivated me because I, so I was like, you know what? I'm about to, you know. So I go down to Atlanta and my mom, I get off the plane. The first thing my mom was like, oh boy, oh no, we got to get you on a diet. Like what happened? You know how your, your mom could be sometime when you gain weight. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know yeah, how your yeah. mom could be. <laughs> your mom would say, damn boy, you got two chins now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit like that. I'm like, dang. You be like, dang, mama, like, hey, I, I'm all, I was I'm feeling all, bad, but now I feel worse. Hey, I'm all, at the time, I was feeling good. So I'm all on my high horse, you know, loving life. And she just reality checks me when I get to Atlanta. Like, yo, like, you know, whoop-de-whoop. So her, so, um, she she's a vegetarian my mom's been a vegetarian for 30 40 years she went to horse man went to crenshaw grew up on 16th of crenshaw so she's like you know not only a vegetarian but she also you know she she's not afraid to speak her mind mm -hmm. and so she made me go on a major vegetarian diet that mm -hmm. summer where i couldn't eat meat she was monitoring everything i ate everything i did uh, she was also working out with me every morning. She would make me go walking at 5.30 in the morning. We were, we'd walk to, she lived in College Park, a place, a Riverdale area of Georgia. So North Clayton High School. I think that's where Two Chains and then went to. Mm -hmm. uh, Two mm -hmm. Chains went to high school. But I work out on that track every morning with my mom in, in like one of those plastic trash bag weight loss suits so I could sweat it out. Then I go to the little gym, which was right around the way across the street work out with my man Danny it was his gym he just had a little cool gym he was a former bodybuilder but he had me on some shit the workout showing me how to maximize the cardio machines and you know just how to get the most out of certain things because he didn't have like a lot of fancy equipment but he still had enough so so but he, he used to make me do a bunch of different stuff it was sort of the first time in 1995 that I had been introduced to the workout where you do all the, you go from, you know, shoulders to tries to buys, you go to like five, seven different uh, uh, weight uh, things, right? Mm -hmm. So he had me on that. So I was burning hella calories, burning hella weight. After the hour and a half walk, I go him, then I do another like 30, 40 hour cardio and the weights and then go be a vegetarian. And then when my mom get back from work, we go walk again in the evening. So, so that was, so, so that, okay. was my, okay. that was my, that was my program for 30 days. I lost 32 pounds in 30 days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I ended up coming back. That's the summer I ended up that summer. I ended up coming back playing with uh, Jordan, Michael Jordan. He was uh, at the space dome at a uh, uh, film and space jam mm -hmm. at the Jordan dome. So we ended up who I ended up hooping with him all summer, mm -hmm. ended up losing a total. I got down to about two twelve by the time season started looking like a whole nother cat, feeling like a whole nother cat and playing kind of like a whole nother cat. Now I was a two guard. So mm -hmm. I started at UCLA as a center, but now I, I had worked my ass off in, into being a shooting guard. Mm -hmm. So so that's mm -hmm. the story. No, like I said, I remember it was in the LA Times. There was the picture of your <laughs> freshman year. Yeah. And then it showed a picture of your, like, you know, the college picture of your sophomore <laughs> year. Yeah. It was like, it was like a, I forgot what the cover was, like transformation of Chris Johnson. It's, no, like, it was, it was, it was eschewing the fat. <laughs> yeah yeah there we go there we go that's how i was like i remember that because i yeah. was like man chris lost a lot of weight and i, yeah, remember I had my, to yeah my dad was like you see boy 
That's that, that's that work. You got to put in that work. You know, he immediately, Travis, you know, see your boy putting that work. You got to put in that work like him. You had to, like, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, for my sophomore year, I, I slimmed down about 30 pounds. So, oh, wow. Yeah, because I went to Crenshaw. Obviously, we was in super shape. And then I went to Manuel uh, for the year and got bigger. You know, they, the coach was like, Dolph was like, you need to get bigger to play center. You know, so he was like, you know, got, you know, a little waist, but like, you know, you need to get bigger. So, you know, I started eating burgers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, to get like the, that kind of way to get big. And I put on about 20, 25. And then Pops was like, I went to my, I transferred and moved with my Pops. And he was like, oh, we got to get you to lose weight. You know, the a, when you went to A.B. Miller? Yeah, when I went to A.B. was like, get you to lose weight. You know, A.B. Miller is like a, Fontana's like a sauna in the summer. And, uh, you know, like I lost, I lost uh, about 15 going in my junior, then another like 15 for my senior. Yeah, the and, battle of the bowls, man. Can make, <laughs> can make or break you, man. We're seeing it now with Zion, though, man. I mean, it's on, honestly, this is something we're qualified to talk about because we hooped with big frames, big bodies, bigger than mm-hmm. 95% of every, 98% of everybody out there, pretty much mm-hmm. as far as weight mm-hmm. that's playing basketball, that's competing on your level. I was always the biggest, typically the biggest guy on the floor. Mm-hmm. Now, when I played against, say, maybe a Tony Gonzalez, a day run, that was like the only time that you had some dudes that were like bigger than you. But most yeah. of the other time, you know, we were big. And you know how the game, how the game was back then. Plus, everybody was trying to run and press back then. Everybody was trying to pick up and, you know, play fast. There was, there was a level of, you had to be able to move. And Zion mm. is finding that out now in the NBA, man, where moving and, and you playing, they play that space. Everybody's spacing and pace, pace and space. So you mm-hmm. got to run and you got to close out long angles. I mean, it's probably the closeouts that are hurting Zion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I think about. Every time I think about him having to run out somewhere hard and maybe slow down and challenge a shot, I'm like, dang, that's the one. That's tough. No, no, man. And the, the fact that he can leap the way he leaps. Oh. Like, you know, I think about the torque and like all the energy it takes on his body. Because he can, he probably, if you have a 50 inch vertical, if he lost the weight, you know. Oh. You know, so unbelievable. Yeah, hopefully he he gets it together, man. They they're gonna shut him down, man. And he's just got to hit the bike and be in the pool all the time, man. No contact on the leg, but you still got to lose some goddamn weight. (laughs) Yeah, if I like, he should do what you like the cardio, like you know, like not necessarily running, but maybe walking, sweat something. You know, get in the pool. They got he got millions of dollars. Come on, he can pay a trainer. He he can do it, but he can buy some shit that we ain't never heard of. I'm telling. You he can buy an underwater treadmill, he can buy like the, the state of the art stuff. Dog LeBron spends a million dollars a year on himself. People yeah. asking everybody talking about LeBron, you're 19. Yeah, dog. When you spend like Tom Brady, when you spend that meal ticket on your body, dog, yeah, year mm-hmm. 19 mm-hmm. look like year 10. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with you. So you have a one, you have a great sophomore year, you're starting. Pretty much you have a great run, you know, sophomore, junior, and senior year. Uh, in, in college, you know, you win a lot of games, Sweet 16, Elite Eights. Um, what would you say would be was your greatest triumph in college besides the national championship? Because that's easy. Um, you know, the national championship was great. I think it would have been greater for me if I would have uh, played in it mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. been in the rotation. So, so for me, when I look at college, I look at my personal sort of high point mm-hmm. as far as my performance. So I think, you know, 36, I dropped 36 on Cal at home. Um, that was a, that was a nice, nice high point. 
um, knocking down. I hit eight for eight against Michigan in the tournament. Remember free, throw, that? free throws in the last minute of the game, and that was big. They had tracked the trailer, rest in peace, and some other guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was a that was a big moment for me. Um, I guess my moments were more just being involved in some of those just incredible matchups of the era, uh, whether it be Arizona, whether it be Duke, or whoever that we played at the time. Um, it was all we, you know, it was great games, great battles, great com- competition. I always liked Duke playing against Duke so I can talk to coach K after the game. Um, that was always a high point for me. Um, you know, just being cool with the coaches, I guess, you know, the, the, just hanging out with the teammates. A lot of my high points, man, were, were off, weren't on the court. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it's like the court stuff, you know, championship pack 12 we won three pack 12s you know won 100 something games but i guess the friendships the camaraderie and you know the experiences that you have with Mm -hmm. doing all that the day-to-day the laughter in the locker room the jokes the funniness the when you're going up to the dorm or wherever you live and you know the interaction there with whatever whoever it is i mean those are the memories kind of that you know always will resonate and and be uh important no i understand is that you think that would be you think that was your biggest lesson in college just you know learning how to you know deal with relationships on your own and just doing everything on your own and just becoming a mature into becoming a man no i i i don't personally because i felt like you know uh i didn't i didn't use college for that mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. i think what i learned about what i figured out about college or people because of college was that when you're up everybody's gonna love you but when you're down they're not and that's sort of like that that was a sad harsh reality I had to find out in college uh, uh throughout you know my course of my career just my senior year going through what I went through just kind of seeing how people acted towards you and then you know you you get you understand that college is sort of that time and you should just leave it there because it, it was definitely a great time and mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. and that and, and, and so you know that's kind of you know college was cool you know I, I I love the fact that I still have friendships from with those guys I'm glad it started there a lot of guys I know since high school through college and, and before so just you know the college stop was was is a nice memory to have for for a lot of reasons for that time in my life okay so you're all Pac-12 first team uh senior year no I wasn't oh, I, no second team no honorable mention what that year, though, I was like, no, I thought for sure you was first team. Uh, uh, hey, uh, hey, I averaged 21 a game. I remember. Uh, honorable mention, dog. So no, Mike, I, Mike Montgomery didn't vote for me or something. Yeah, I remember, dog, because like I said, you know, I remember I remember the game win against Washington State at the buzzer, all the games of 20. Like, I, I for sure thought you was like – I remember one of the games, uh, the guy used to coach at uh, SC. The He was a commentator. Um uh, he, oh, I can't think of his name. He was like, "I'll eat your hat if he's not a first team uh, pack." Pack ten off. I remember that. I you know, I, used to, I I still watch those games on you know sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, that was good. George Raveling. Yeah. There we go. George Raveling. There we go. Yeah, Rav, Rav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do it. You have all this honorable mentions pack to average twenty, go to Sweet Sixteen. So did you have any NBA looks uh, after after your college career ended, or yeah. was it just straight? You know, you thought you was going to go, you know, to play overseas or whatever. No, I um, I actually draft night. I was waiting on Utah to pull the trigger. I think it's somewhere around 57 or 58 mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in the second round. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't happen. 
So went immediately to working out, prepping, um, staying in shape, and then there was a lockout hit. So the lockout hits, and it's sort of this like, whoa, it's kind of messed up for everybody. Nobody knows what they're going to do, where they're going to go. So I ended up going, I started out, I ended up going to the CBA, I mm -hmm. believe, during mm -hmm. the lockout. I believe, yeah, so I went to the CBA, so I went to Quad City. So, yeah, I was trying to get into the league. CBA back then was just like the G League, you know, the feeder to the NBA. I was trying to get to Quad City, had a bunch of guys playing in front of me, uh, got familiar names from, from back in the day. Um, but I still made my mark as a, as a sort of a three-point shooter. So, you know, I was, you know, I was only getting like 12 minutes a game, but I averaged eight points on 42% from three, from NBA three. So I was coming in, busting that ass. When I did get minutes, didn't get a lot of minutes, played for a guy named Dan Panaggio, ended up coaching for the Portland Trailblazers. Mm -hmm. um, didn't get a lot of minutes, kind of hurt my back. I think December or something, January, January rolls around, the lockout ends mm -hmm. after, you know, after all this, I get back in shape. I go up to Minnesota's training camp with KG, Stefan Marbury, Sam Mitchell, a bunch of them, Anthony Peeler, a bunch of them type of dudes, Troy Hudson. Um, ended up staying there for about a week and a half. Um, not the last cut, but one of the last cuts. Um, and then directly after I got cut, I went and took a job. I believe in Russia mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. about like, I think it was like, they wanted me to play a team was about to get re relegated to the second division. They had like, a, you know, seven, six games or something, but they were, they, you know, they're giving me like something sick. Right. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll do it for six games. Right? <laughs> you know, back then it's like, shit, six games. You talking this and it's, it's well over 10 racks. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do it. Like what the fuck? Um, I get out there. You know, they, they on some weird, they on some weird stuff. So they trying to give me more racks to like throw the game. It's just like all type of stuff. So I'm like, look, man. I, so I, ended, I didn't even play the last two games. I ended up sitting out. I'm like, y'all Yo, got it, man. I'm just send me back. Give my little money to send me to the crib, man. I mean, you know, so that was Russia. So right after I got home to Russia, I get a call from a buddy of mine that coached, uh, he was at UCLA. You know Darren Sorensen? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So Darren calls me, and he had coached out in Qatar on the new junior national team. Mm -hmm. So he's like, yeah, these guys are looking for a player in Qatar. So I'm like, Qatar? And this is, <laughs> hey, hey, and this is 9-11. So this is the December of 9-11. So 9-11 oh, wow. went down in September. They trying to tell me to go to the Middle East, you know, but they was talking about something. You know, I'm like, look, I didn't really have, so at the time, what was I doing? I was chilling. I was like, I don't think I was at home. I had, something had happened. I think I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Ended up, uh, God, it was my best basketball. I played my best basketball as a pro up there. Ended up getting, you know, having to go home because of something I did. Uh, it was so stupid. Uh, but, you know, I didn't get in trouble for it, except I, I got released because of it. But ended up uh, uh, getting, getting the call from Darren, then hitting Qatar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, get to mm -hmm. Qatar so now it's like I'm scared I'm nervous I don't know what's up it's 9-11 it's right after 9-11 hey, <laughs> hey, and I'm in the belly of the beast so I get to Qatar man the first, first you know as soon as I get off the plane mm -hmm. they they want me to play in the game and you know, I get off the plane you know, I get to the house about one o'clock in the afternoon I gotta gotta go at five to go play in the game I'm like dang they out here crazy tripping with it 
because they're trying to get me on a flight. If I'm sorry, they're trying to get me on a quick flight on the next one, you know, and bring another dude in. You know how them dudes be. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're horrible. They're, they're no, horrible. No. And then they'll try to smile on <laughs> your face and act like they the homie. That's why I'm like, look, but hey, man, come on, man. So look, get over there, got to play in the game, have 37 at the game, you know, drop by seven threes and just, you know, had a bad game in my opinion, but they just was loving it. I'm like, all right, cool. So in the locker room, you know, the, the dude, he's got on the thing, you know, he's got on his whole little uh, garb. He comes up to me looking like a shake. He's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to give you a, we never pay our professionals more than like 4,000 a month. I was like, four racks? I'm like, dog. At the time, that wasn't, I mean, I, they make more money now, but at the time, I was kind of like, nah, man, I had just got off, I had the Russian hookup, so I, yeah, knew yeah, yeah, I yeah. knew what time it was, I'm like, oh, no, I'm out, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm out, this is like, I'm, I still got my tape on, my little knee things on, I'm in my little sweat, I'm like, oh, no, I'm out, man, send me home, man, and then, and then everybody was kind of like, you know, it got quiet, I'm like, what, I'm like, why get quiet, like, you don't want to stay, you don't want to stay, I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to stay for no four records. You know, this and that. And then eventually they, they try to negotiate with me. So that I said, okay, let's sleep on it. Chris, wake up, to come tomorrow. We'll talk more. I'm like, look, man, I know I know one thing. I ain't got to sleep on it to know that I'm not doing this for no four racker a month. I know that for a fact, bro. So whatever I sleep and whatever happens tonight in my dream and all that, it don't matter. I'm waking up with the same standpoint, bro. So I, so they everybody's like, oh, don't get angry. <laughs> so anyway. Next day, they, they bring in another guy, kind of like the top guy. You know, I have to meet with him, this dude named Codinello, the big shake. And so he kind of, you know, he comes up on the on the price a little bit. And you know, I agreed, I agreed to do it. It gave me a real, like, you know, bonus laden, you know, a lot of bonuses. They came up a lot on it. But I was like, look, I can't live in the place, man. Y'all got to give me a spot that's legit. They try to put me in with like four other cats. Oh, yeah, wow. man. I was, I was like, yo, man, you guys need to like understand how to treat professionals over here so it's funny because i was basically the first professional over there that kind of you know put his foot down demanded it they wanted me to play they wanted me to stay so i was like yo i need a spot i need this i need a taxi allowance y'all ain't gonna give me a whip i need a taxi allowance this and that i ended up staying there four years okay okay we ended up winning an asian championship club mm -hmm. championship we beat mm -hmm. champ sham god wells and jr henderson they were playing for saudi arabia we beat them in the final in malaysia <laughs> hey big bonus big bonus the first, <laughs> hey, the first the first championship that the club ever won mm -hmm. in its history and i guess who my profession guess what so they had jr and sham god guess who i had who Stace Bozeman. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, I brought Stace out there. Right, I right. said, you know what? I'm going to bring the boss out here and let right. you sit and sit, sick him on y'all. <laughs> hey, nobody in any tournament knew had anything to do with Stace. Stace balled. His, he was locking everybody up, and I was just putting in like 30. It was That was it. He was guarding the toughest dude. I, it was one of the greatest uh uh just tandems dude if you could because you know space is a lockup dude no no no, no. he's gangster with it yep. and he's an incredible athlete that could have played professional football mm -hmm. so so that's mm -hmm. what people gotta understand he could have been a football guy so when he's out there guarding these guards and getting on the glass his game is just like it's incredible like they still talk about him they still ask about him so we won he we won because of him and yasin like I was doing my thing, but my other guy is a big dude named Yassine. He's like six eight, six nine. He like the Jordan of uh, the Middle East over there. He's like okay. man. 
But anyway, he was jumping over dudes, dunking. I mean, pinning it on the glass, then pushing it like Scotty Dimes. Oh, we, hey, we were live. Hey, we were live. Hey, we were live. We were live in Kentucky. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't even know it was like that. I didn't even know oh, it was yeah. like that. Yeah, my first. So my first year, we got to the championship. Second year, we won the championship. And so, man, Qatar was a beautiful experience because I, it allowed me to travel. Mm-hmm, so I, mm-hmm. I was, I so in the off season, you know, I would hit, you know, Maldives, I go to Thailand, I go to Europe, I go to Egypt with my boys, I bounce to Dubai every couple of days. You know what I'm saying? It was, it became ridiculous over there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it, became, it became, hey, it became ridiculous over there. No, I was traveling a lot. So I would, so I would stay, so my seat, so we have breaks. You know how overseas, sometimes they got these weird breaks. Well, in Qatar, they be giving, they be having the month off move. So they'll, they'll like in the middle of the season. Oh, we don't play for a month. I'm like, dang, we'll be practice again. Oh, in about three weeks. Where am I <laughs> what? Three weeks. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm just, Chris will pay you to stay here. And you know, Hey, no. Okay. Okay. Hey, we'll pay you. I'm like, okay, as long as you'll pay me, I'll do whatever. Dog. <laughs> no, no, but, um, no. So, so, during those times, man, I traveled. Uh, mm-hmm, I got mm-hmm. I got to see the world, man. I went to Kuwait. I went to a wedding in Saudi Arabia. I had mm-hmm. to wear the thing. I wore the thing to a wedding. Uh, we drove to Saudi Arabia. It was sick. Uh, then Egypt. I mean, spent you know about four or five days in Egypt. Got to see the pyramids. Got went down to Alexandria and some other places all throughout uh, the country. Um, Man, so that 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 was the the best part of it. Uh, the team was we were great. Uh, I set off a string of events later. Billy Billy Knight ended up hooping there, mm-hmm. uh, playing mm-hmm. playing for my same team. Todd Day ended up uh, play who played at Arkansas and won and played. Remember Todd Day? Remember Todd Day? Todd Day ended up playing there, and so after there was a lot of guys. They, they, they've become you know they're the premier you know team in that region. For, I mean, where they were for a long time before my guy retired. So it was, it was, a, it was a wonderful experience. But I, but I played there for four years. I bounced, but then I bounced after four years because I was, I was, I had an opportunity with the Hawks. Mm-hmm. So I went to camp with the Hawks. And I, and I ball at the Hawks camp, dog. Lenny Wilkins is loving me. Lenny Wilkins is loving me. I'm running the floor and I'm knocking down my mid ranger. Okay. <laughs> last day, last day of, of, of the Hawks workout or the Hawks training camp. I close out on a shot, right knee forward. Boom. Hyperstand my knee kind of. Oh, that was it. You know, boop, he had the shot game. All right, bring it in, fellas. I'm walking over to the dang huddle like, ah, oh, shit, my knee. I like, I got to hurt my knee. Turned out, man, I tore my meniscus right before Hawks camp. Oh. I, I trick off. I trick off my Hawks. I trick off. I can't go to Qatar now. I had. I actually had more bread and Syria on the table, and this dude trying to get me to come to Syria for some big money and some just all type of stuff. So I'm like, all right, I made. I made. Uh, I had to tell him. I, he's like, oh man, I'll fly you to Germany and rehab you though. The Syrian dude wanted to fly me to Germany to rehab and then come to Syria and rehab and get ready. That's how much they was on me in Syria. I was like, nah, man, I'm going to chill. So I chilled, ended up coaching at Verbum Day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with my man, DeAnthony Langston, um, getting back into shape, practicing, playing against them. And then I, uh, for my last professional experience, right after all of that happened, as far as Verbum Day coaching and kind of get back into shape, I got a call from uh, Lebanon. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy, mm-hmm. a guy by the name of Fouad Abushar called me. He was uh, the head coach of a team called Riyadi, mm-hmm. which is one of the premier teams in Lebanon at the time. Uh, it was always in the mix, you know, really big club. And Le- the Lebanese league at the time was sort of a rival to the Qatar league. They kind of looked down on Qatar as if, you know, guys that played there, the numbers that were coming out of there, dudes couldn't do that in Lebanon. It was kind of the uh, the assumption. And so uh, they called me to come through to a tournament in Dubai. Uh, we got a hell of a team. There's a guy named Tony Madison, a light-skinned dude from uh, L.A. He went to Locke or something. He played at mm-hmm. New Orleans. I don't know if you know Tone, but Tone was so nice, man. About 6'3", guard, kind of strong. But So it was his team. He was the point. It was basically his team. But they had a big white boy named Joe Vogel that uh, went to Colorado State, played in the league. Okay. I feel like I know. I know. I, I feel I know. I heard of Tony Madison and Joe yeah. Vogel sounds familiar too. And and they had another dude named uh Ishmael Ahmed, who was an Egyptian player who mm-hmm. played at the Heat Camp, big six seven, two sixty, buff, big hand, just sweet Egyptian. Like one of the sweetest Egyptians of I mean, one of the sweetest hoopers of all time. Like this dude's level of just being big and just <laughs> coming down on you. I was like, what? <laughs> hey, ish. We used to call him ish. Hey, ish, five out. <laughs> hey, back then, ish five out up top, six, seven, two, sixty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? No, I, I Travis, I kid you not. I dude, I was amazed. And then the dimes. Oh man, it was like yo. So I had, they were all, so I played a role on this team because they wanted to win this tournament. It was a big tournament in Dubai. Mm-hmm. So long story short, we ended up winning. I ended up so in the turn in the final, we ended up playing the other the second best team in Lebanon called Suggest, which is like a world renowned club uh, for, for 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 them over there. We ended up beating them. I ended up locking the top player. Believe I, they put me in for defense. I ended up locking the dude up. <laughs> I was like, that's how that's how off everything was back then because my jumper was off right because my game was kind of nasty coming back you know i remember i had to come back i got yeah, hurt all that. yeah mm-hmm, dog mm-hmm. i get back i get i get uh to lebanon I be, i'm a defensive stopper now <laughs> so now, i'm in that would have been funny <laughs> to hear hey, hey. Said, like, chris defensive stopper what? hey i was guarding dude so I, only, I held the dude to six he was averaging like 30 in the tournament he only had six i was a strong man in him <laughs> so i ended up getting signed so so they ended up uh so that night winning championship is a big deal i, I love that experience for that little tournament with that team because them guys were guys were real fun and real cool so we ended up winning the championship and uh get a call from Fouad he's like Chris come to my room so I go down to his room he's like oh we have four teams in Lebanon that want to sign you he's like this is not normal and so I you know I I don't want to act like your agent because I am a coach in the league but you know I I can give you the number and you can handle and I was like all right cool so he gave everybody number uh that I needed to talk to and so I ended up uh, negotiating on my own. Then I got signed by this team called Antronique, which was a club that was uh, on the verge of being re- relegated. It was an Armenian club, but, you know, they're on the verge of being relegated. And so, but they came with, with good bread. And so I spent, you know, I spent, a, I spent probably three, four, five, six months out in Lebanon. Um, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, while I was in Lebanon, they assassinated the prime minister. Uh, mid-season so uh, they had to shut shut the whole country down it was a but they used the 800 pound car bomb to blow up his whole car uh, 
carcade, uh, whatever they call it, the you know uh, motor motorcade. Yeah, the motorcade. Yeah, yeah. He, they blew it up with a they they ran a truck into it, a little truck with eight hundred pounds of C four. They blew up a whole block. Yeah. So Damn. and this guy was like the, his name is Rafiq was Rafiq Hariri. He was like the father of Lebanon, modern day Lebanon. He was like a big deal out there. So they shut down the company. They shut down the whole league. They shut down the league. So I was out there chilling for a little bit, you know, because I was waiting on my money, mm-hmm. you know, because they'll they'll hold up your money and, you know, whatever. So I'm like, yo, I'm not bouncing to you. I'll get my money and I will go to the embassy, bro. So, you know, so anyway, I'm still, I'm chilling out in Lebanon. And by the way, I led the league in scoring. By the way, uh, <laughs> when they well, no, when they said because I never forget it, dude. They said I wasn't gonna be able to do that in this league. I was like, all right. I ever so listen. I averaged thirty something. I was like thirty point eight in Lebanon. I was averaging. I swear, people don't believe me, I was averaging like 37, 36 in Qatar, all four years. Like it was just Bucketsville from deep. They didn't know how to handle the mid ranger, man. Hey, hey, and by that time, Trav, I was shooting the the long twenty eight footers. Like you know, you know, like my senior year pull-ups. From yeah, yeah. Hey, I had I had expanded on that. So okay. I was I was Mister just like now off the bounce from deep threes and just raising. <laughs> hey, deep threes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you. you know, you know exactly. Man, I know, I know the move. I'm like, oh, oh, cross, oh, you know the move. Yeah. Let me get into my shot clock. <laughs> so no, man. So no, so so that was that was a good time, man. But you know, they, by the end of Lebanon, right? It was just like. It was crazy. It just got all bad over there. I, I ended up leaving there with a bad experience, a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, but I did have my, get my money, uh, get home. Um, I'm kind of, you know, going through the, you know, just still recovering from the trauma of dealing with all that because it was a scary time when I was in Lebanon, man. People were actually like advising me where to go, where not to go. They may bomb here. They may blow you up there. It's a Christian area. It's a Muslim area. It was like a whole mind fuck that was going on, man. I was like nervous about moving. In the streets out there now, should I go get to I go to the store right now? Should I go to this one or should I try to, you know, you have to think like that. It creates a level of like tension in, in, uh, inside of you. Right. So you're mm-hmm. always like, man, what the hell, man? Am I going to get blown up today? So I got home and I was decompressing. I was resting. You know, I wasn't working out as much, but I was still hitting the bike. I wasn't hooping as much. And then Jr. calls me from uh, Japan, mm-hmm. Jr. Henderson. Mm-hmm. he's like yo stani uh, i'm playing in a tournament in china and you know we need a we need a guard he was like you want to come through here's here's what it is you know we if you play well we'll sign you for the season here's what it looks like and it was like the best one of the best deals i'd ever been presented with as a professional mm-hmm. and they because in japan they, they do you right right so they flew me out there i'm on business class you know it's like they they come in with the real yeah they gave me my own luggage they had to i had the big luggages i was like yo y'all got your own luggage bro? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yo the, the, so so i get there it was the, it was probably one of my just most fun experiences i'd ever had being in china with jr and his team his Japanese team, mm-hmm. uh, just enjoying the culture, the peacefulness of the Japanese culture, and just the way they were, just kind of just exposed me to a different side of a di- of different types of humans. Mm-hmm. And so, and I and I was with Jr. So he was like, you know, my guy from college. I know Jr. since I was twelve, but so just to see how Jr. was with them, and so and it just it inspired me just to sort of act differently, live different. And it was I had so much fun on that trip. Unfortunately, I ruptured my L four, my L five. In the last game, the last game over. Yeah, man, injuries like a mug, dog. So I ended up screwing up my my back, 
Um, they, you know, couldn't make the team, flew home, couldn't stand up. The day after I got off the flight, I couldn't stand up no more. I had to get several epidurals just to loosen me up um, and then go through extensive rehab and other treatments for, for my back. And so that's what shut me down. Then I ended up retiring after that. Wow, man, I, that I never known the story. That's why I definitely wanted to add. I never known the story yeah. of like how you retired and stuff like that. That's crazy. Yeah, dog, that's how I go. Yeah, injuries were the bane of my existence uh, throughout high school, college, and pro. And I think a lot of it has to do, as we touched on earlier, just dying and carrying that weight. Uh, always being able to lose a lot of weight in a quick amount of time as a mm-hmm. professional athlete. Back then, you know, now they maintain it. Now you don't be seeing a lot of dudes getting overweight, except Zion, Zion like the only one. Back, <laughs> yeah. Hey, but back in the day, it'd be like mm-hmm. eight, nine, 10, 12 dudes, like two yeah, dudes yeah. a team. <laughs> but that's BD? because they didn't, they did, yeah, BD was the, the gift and the curse. He would get out of shape and then yeah, get in yeah, shape. That's what I'll say. BD, yeah, yeah. like they just think BD, how BD could get to be like 240, 250 in the offseason with a big shoulder. And you know, he'd be all wide, he'd be walking. I'm like, damn, BD, buff ass. You know what I'm saying? You've been yeah, BD yeah, get real yeah. buff, but then you know, it you know, it, it takes a toll on your body, especially mm-hmm. when you play a certain type of style, a certain type of game. No, I, was, no. I, was, I was posting up a lot, you know. I'm even as a guard, I was mid-post, I was low, I was whatever. Like, we'll get it, I'll catch it on the wing on you, you know, and be in a post position and be like from the wing. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, from I got the you. wing, buddy. I got you. No, no, I remember, I remember, I remember. So I got you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I mean, that's a that's a like a heck of a story, to be honest, Chris. So you retire from uh from japan that's your last year how many years did you play total was it like 10 plus or no it was right around if you so you include france i went to france for three months it puts me probably about seven oh hold on seven years seven or eight years hold on somebody's calling my phone seven eight, trap yep sorry my phone was ringing it's about seven or eight years that's not bad. That's not bad at all. You know, um, yeah, where are you? Hold on. Let me see where you are. Hold on. I lost you. All right. There you go. Okay. Right. Okay. Man. Like I said, so after you retire, what's the, what's the next thing that happens? Uh, you know, what, what, what do you, what do you do? So I retire, I go through sort of a, a major rehabilitation from my back for about eight or nine months, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which put me down uh mm-hmm. didn't have medical insurance and so you know had to do it out of the pocket which really sucked yeah and, i remember uh, that too yeah, yeah yeah and then um but then um got into tv so i got an opportunity to work with a company called fox sports interactive uh which now is like fox sports west and all that but they were like it was like the big digital media part mm-hmm. of everything back mm-hmm. in 2006 okay 2007 so i had uh i co-hosted my own show, uh, weekly show with my dad. It was called Beyond something, Beyond the Net or something. So we used to do a show, you know, every week on the internet, uh, which led to me doing like, you know, I do the, I did high school games for Fox. I started doing little lo- local college stuff, uh, sideline reporter, color analyst. Um, I ended Remember up- all that. Remember all that. Watched you all that. All that. Yeah. Ended up tra- ended up doing all that. And then, uh, so yeah, I mean, just that, la- that, that's lasted, you know, for, for that lasted for, for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. and then in 2011, mm-hmm. I, uh, I was out in New York, uh, with Steve Lavin, mm-hmm. uh, he was going through, uh, 
some stuff with his, uh, he had prostate cancer. He was going through things. And so I went out to New York to work his camp that summer, uh, 2011, and uh, ended up staying till about December, ended up staying with him and just, you know, we were doing yoga every day and just kind of, you know, just laugh being lab dog and just, you know, on the daily, but really got close with lab. So ended up lab ended up introducing me to a guy that had a startup. He was, uh, he had made this app that basically digitized <laughs> the player evaluation process for coaches. So it was like, you know, it was an app, you open it up, you could, you know, use the camera to sort of, you know, video player, you could, you know, use the mic to talk, you know, have notes on a player, you can use the little stuff to take notes and little ratings and stuff. It would save it on the phone, send it up to a server, you can view your information on your computer so it was a really exciting opportunity and he wanted me so i interviewed with the guy when i was out in new york uh we spent two day, a two-day interview and he wanted me to come on as an executive uh, as one of the first em- three employees on his startup and so i ended up joining his startup it was called sports board and, and i ended up being with him for seven years and i wore a, a number of different hats as far as working in corporate uh, from sales to you know strategic alliances to marketing to all type of stuff just doing the the heavy lifting on a lot of things on startup work which is you know it's nothing really glorious or glamorous you know it's it's crazy shit you actually got to do as far as grinding (laughs) but but I spent seven years with him and that gave me a chance to really develop and bridge uh develop a lot of relationships with uh coaches uh, different professional sports teams and organizations on the executive level and on the technical level mm-hmm. and so that that was a that was an interesting time i was still doing some tv stuff i worked remote he was based in sausalito california which is right outside of san francisco so i'd mm-hmm. go up there uh probably twice a month spend about a week out of every month up there and uh yeah i did that for seven years man ended up leaving them um the company's no longer around, but uh, it was a, he, he was around for about 10 years, but it was a great run. Ended up leaving them. A friend of mine approached me with an investment opportunity uh, in the city of Torrance for mm-hmm. a, a blow dry bar, which is basically a hair salon, uh, like super cuts, but it's for women and like getting there, uh, women and men, but mainly women that want to get blowouts or like a quick style instead of having to like wash their hair and spend oh, okay. three, spend three hours on it. You know, you spend 45 minutes, you look like, you know, 150 bucks when you come out. So I did that for about three years until COVID shut us down, uh, which absolutely sucked. Uh, and then, you know, just trying to figure it out like a lot of us are uh, now. Sitting good though, have, have some real estate opportunities that we're looking at and you know i'm on the crypto and you know i got my podcast that's actually doing pretty good so you know life life is not horrible but still just pushing and grinding bro no i hear you man and like i said i've listened to your show you know many times and uh you know in in some ways you know you inspired me because i was like you know you know you know chris has done it like his journey's similar to mine like he did the overseas thing and uh, I was like, man, you know, why not try to do something different, you know, for the, you know, for athletes, you know? Yeah, no, it's great. I, th- I think the thing about the thing I like to talk about with us athletes that spent a large portion of our lives gaining work experience in a field, right? Basketball or whatever sport you play, 
that doesn't necessarily matter once you come back here. I find that to be, I, I, that's some of the, that's, that's interesting to me. It's like, we're all athletes at times, former athletes are penalized for not having, when we enter the real world, it's like, we don't have a certain level of experience doing a certain type of thing. Mm -hmm. And when we take ourselves to the level, to the, to the, the, to the place where we do have experience, it doesn't, sometimes, you know, we don't, uh, nine times out of 10, they ain't rocking with us either. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so it's like, it's like, dang, man, where do we go? Where do we go? Exactly. You go to man. the, you go to high school and you go to, you go to the, the no pay job because <laughs> yeah. that's what they think about you. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> definitely. That's real. Like when I retired, you know, uh, I had stress fractures in both machines. I still got steel plates in both my shins to this day. Um, you know, I remember like uh, I had my son, he was three years old at the time. Yeah. Uh, trying to figure out how to provide for him. So I went to work for Enterprise. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, I need some money. I ne don't necessarily want to train or coach. So, yeah. you know, I was like, I need, I need a, a corporate job, a corporate job, whatever, sales, I guess. Yeah. Make some money, you know? Yeah. Just, just depressed drinking a lot, you know, just, just not knowing what the, you know, what I'm gonna do with my life, just super depressed. Yeah. You know, and uh, just building everything to where I'm at now, where, you know, better, it's still not where I want to be, but still better than where I was. So. Yeah. I, I think the main thing to keep your eye on is that this is only temporary and you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so you need, you know, just focus on that, focus on getting through every day, mm -hmm. you know, and then living your best day possible. And you put together a string of your best days and they turn into weeks, which turn into months, which turn into years now. Uh, and, and you'll be fine, man. Uh, you know, we all go through stuff, man. And it, mm -hmm. and it's, and I'm, and it takes a big man to, to talk about it and to admit certain things that go on in their lives and, and what you'll realize once you talk about certain things and certain topics is that there's other people out there going through the exact same thing as you that need to, wanted to hear somebody talk about the exact thing that you were scared to talk about <laughs> and, and so Agreed. no i'm just telling you that's just no, how no, it no, goes no, that's, that's real that's it's real. such that's a trip real. it's such a trip because you be so scared to bring some shit up and then you bring it up and you just get everybody want to talk about it. it's like oh damn okay <laughs> well, i need to just be honest more and just tell you what i'm thinking oh, okay. okay yeah no, no, no i agree with you 100 bro 100 big bro so yeah well, I got two more questions and then we'll be through with the interview, man. Okay. The, the last, the first question is, what was the best thing that you experienced while you were overseas for your career? For my career? Um, well, the 2002 Asian championship club championship was a big deal. We, mm -hmm. you know, that, that was a big deal for us. Our the country, Qatar had never won one. So that was huge. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think that was the highlight, man. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I didn't win shit in Russia. I didn't win shit. In, I was in Turkey too. Uh, got kicked out of Turkey because I was dating like the Madonna of Turkey. She ran up on me at the at the mall. She's, but I didn't I didn't know she was like that with it. But I ended up finding out. She, then she was a big star, a singer over there. And the club, it was pissed off, salty that the, that the the black American took one of our women. It was like, <laughs> hey, they was mad, man. They was mad. Them dudes, I had like, yo, man, y'all tripping, man. I, she 
she chose me, bro. I'm yeah, sorry. right, right, right. But, right. I, but I ended up getting, I, they ended up releasing me. So uh, that sucked. So yeah. I had a lot of like ups and downs over there as mm-hmm. far as mm-hmm. overseas. But, you know, when it, the guitar, that's why I always I talk about the guitar thing. Hello? Yeah, yeah, I can. Okay. Hello? Yeah, yeah. My ear was closed up. Oh okay. no, no, no. I hear you. Yeah. I can only hear you. I can only hear you out of one ear. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Did I just lose my hearing? God damn it. <laughs> so no, so it's pretty much the guitar, man. When we won, we won the Asian championship. That was okay. Cool. Okay. And so pretty much the last question is like, you know, this is like you know, the big one is at at some point, you know, in our careers, just as playing sports since you played when you was a young kid to now. We go through these, you know, these down, down moments, right? What, how did you get out of that? How did you get up from your worst moment of, of, of doing your career? You know, how did you get out of it? Um, I think it's faith, faith, faith in, in the Lord, uh, faith in myself. Mm-hmm that I could, and, and also, there's also a level of uh, self-awareness mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that I mm-hmm. think that I, I uh, I'm not going to say, I, yeah, I have more than others, but I just, I know that I'm very aware, self-aware. I know when I'm wrong. I know when I'm right. So I know, you know, you know, when I was down, there's points in my career where, you know, I'd be down and this and that, and, you know, I have to go home and put on some Sade and calm down. I always notice that once once you calm down and keep things into perspective in your down moments, everything doesn't seem like as big of a deal as it does. So I tried to focus on things that I did have, the blessings and and and, and things like that. I mean, I I obviously, you know, I partied a lot, I drank a lot. Um I did I did those those things as a as a way to try to mask certain issues or try to take my mind off of the harsh reality of you know like in Qatar for instance that I'm fucking in Qatar I'm in the middle of the desert somewhere and I'm not in the league chilling I gotta hang out with these dudes so I might as well get blasted because <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't want to think about I don't want to think about them dudes in LA right now hanging right. out with Kobe and shit and I'm over here in Qatar dog. <laughs> Hey, I'm yeah. over here in Qatar. No, no, that's real. I remember so, being in Estonia, man. Like, yeah. being in the, I was in a blizzard, just man. looking out, like, man, what the hell am I doing here, man? Man, hey, but uh, so you know that that, and even in my personal life today, you know, a message that I would I could tell to your listeners that I believe in, and I'm not anyone perfect or anything like that but i do know that there are some things that help me cope with certain things it's you know it's really just being focused on or or focusing on the positives Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm, of yourself mm -hmm. of loving yourself it sounds like a cliche but people they say love yourself all the time you're like i do love myself but do you really love yourself (laughs) do you love yourself enough to not hurt yourself you know Mm -hmm, what i'm saying mm -hmm, and that's mm kind of what we always got to remember you know, am I really, what is love? You know, what is my definition of love? And right, right, right. do I apply it to myself? And so you guys, 
So that's something that I try to keep in mind, man. And, you know, and, and then I'll talk to somebody. Like, I have no problem admitting that I've seen counselors 25, 30 years. I, you know, I have, I have people that I've talked to, two, three people that I've talked to about over the last 30 years that are professionals that um, I share my deepest, darkest thoughts and, and, you know, things with. And I'm able to, you know, somehow, some way cope with whatever life presents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, man, that's that's a heck of a statement. I think a lot of people as well as athletes needs to hear it, man. You know, like just uh, how you get out of, you know, like low times, dark times, you know, it's that's yeah. a great it's a great it's, thing. It, it's an important conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it's a reason why, you know, there's, there's I mean, there is, look, if, on the Internet today, a lot of the content is sort of based in a lot of laughter, a lot of joking, and, and, and it does make me bust up, and it, it is funny, and it's great, mm-hmm. but I think that, you know, it would be nice for a balance of, of voices like yours, voices like mine, voices that are willing to uh, address and talk about these type of topics from mm-hmm. a male, a male, a masculine standpoint, a male standpoint. Agreed. Because getting men in a room and having a, a conversation about feelings and emotions for so long was shunned and looked at uh, as if you were a bitch or a punk. <laughs> Excuse my language, but that's Agreed. what you would Agreed. be called. That's what you would be called. Agree. Okay. Agreed. And, and and so it was shunned. And so now as we at our age, our era, our our generation, and we have kids that are coming up in the almost polar opposite of a, of a culture that we came up with different emphasis and you know bullying you can't call nobody fat boy no more i mean there's just all type of stuff you can't make fun of a dude's shoes or nothing <laughs> look you might your mom might lose her job bro if they put that on social media you making fun of somebody's shoes that your mom might lose her job like it's all kind of stuff they on yeah, now i'm like right, dang man right. <laughs> so, so 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 for what i'm saying is there needs to be uh, you know the 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 I guess the the camarad- the brotherhood aspect. So men need to have a place, a safe space to be able to talk about stuff that's going on. They struggle with that they can't talk to their wife, their girlfriend, or, or their mama about. But they need to talk to another man that's going through a similar situation, that has a similar background, that has you know similar experiences, man. Because you get like minded or people that have. Uh, similar experiences and a common ground to stand on the understanding typically as I found has been much greater between those two because there's a lot that goes into you know being a professional athlete and, and not making it to the highest level so when mm-hmm. you don't make it to the NBA you know you walk around your whole life with the stigma mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. look at you with the stigma people oh so who, who did you play for oh, I didn't play in the NBA I played oh okay <laughs> but let, let me say but let me say oh i played uh, i played like three weeks with the bucks oh you did can i go <laughs> oh, a picture can i take a-? i mean it would get ridiculous right 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 and right, i'm right. not mad i'm not mad at it but people gotta say that like, that's what we go through in life and so and, and and there's a lot that goes along with that that you know goes into um 
you know, being down is not just not making it to the NBA. It's everything else that comes along with not making it to the mm-hmm. NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the part that people don't understand. You know, fuck making it to the NBA. I needed that goddamn paycheck, dog. What the hell? You know how up them dudes are on us? God <laughs> damn. Them dudes are up. Yeah, agreed, 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 <laughs> agreed. Hey, look, man, it's, it's facts, dog. It's facts. I mean, I'm not going, you know, it's facts. Y'all are up, dog. Golly. But so loving yourself being comfortable in your own skin, loving who you are, who you turned out to be. That's the most important part at this stage of the game, man. Because when you come up like we did and we're surrounded by all these and our peers or this, that, it can mess with you, man. You could, this depression stuff, dude, it's like, yo, we got to get out of that. You know, it's like, oh, okay, it is what it is. Like, okay, I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't make the league or whatever it is we're depressed about. You need to move forward and then make this your best act. Make the second act your best act. Agreed. 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 Well, thank you, Chris, man. Gosh, you know what I'm saying? Like it's knowledge, funny, realness, all wrapped into one, man. I just, like I said, <laughs> I, I appreciate it, man, for you coming on and finally coming on the show. Cause you know, you hurt my feelings when you didn't come on the last time. So yeah, I was sorry. like, I was like, it was real sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we knew, you knew we was going to get it done, bro. No, no, we knew. Yeah, I knew. You knew, I knew we was going to get it done yeah, at some point. Yeah, at no. some point, man. Some it was point, happen some out point. the blue. Out I was blue. like, I was like, yeah, man, you know, like definitely, I, I, you know, we're going to get this done. So, Absolutely. like, you know, so I appreciate it, man. Uh, let the listeners know where they can find your show, you know, and where they can find you. Yeah, my, um, on Twitter, I'm at point forward pro. P-O-I-N-T, forward, pro, one word. Um, on Instagram, I'm Chris Johnson Live. Uh, you can listen to my podcast on Apple Music. Just search KJ Live. That's the name of the podcast. Uh, we're 15 episodes deep. About to record about, you know, a bunch more. Got a lot in store for 2022. So we're excited about the upward trajectory of the pod. Um, and uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. Oh, Reddit. You can find me on Reddit too, Chris Johnson Live. I'm, I'm usually trolling on there, creeping in, in and out of groups and posting and stuff. So, all right. All right. Well, like I said, Chris, thank you very much, man. Like I said, we're going to continue this journey with an athlete's journey. With a, like I said, this is like I consider somebody like my big brother, man, who taught me so much. He don't even know how he taught me so much, but I, I watched him, you know, from eighth grade. When he first met me in Vegas, he probably don't remember. I was scared. He came up to me with like a couple guys. You, you going to Crenshaw next year? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, think I so. remember. I remember. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm like playing NBA Jam. I'm like, I thought he was going to challenge me. He was like, you going to Crenshaw? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Crenshaw. <laughs> so, now I remember that. You know what I'm saying? Got much love for Big Chris, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube